Well, hello and Merry Christmas. Welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant podcast, where we do a deep dive into Christmas hymns that we know and love. This week, Nikki, Michael, and myself talk about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and I will just give you a warning. If you want your mind to be blown and your heart to be wrecked and your soul to be challenged, this is the episode for you. We talk about everything from Christmas traditions to best ways to put up Christmas trees to Christmas gifts, and then we we transition into a talk about the minor key of life. This song's in a minor key. It's unresolved. It's tense. It's dark. It's brooding. That is sometimes the essence of the Christian life. So we have two brilliant people talking about it. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about Michael. I'm talking about Nikki. Two brilliant people talking about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It is such a good episode. It's a little bit longer, but if you stick with it, I promise you, you will be abundantly encouraged in this Christmas season. And hope you're having a great Christmas season. Thanks for all the people who've reached out and said that they've liked this new series. I know Michael and I have really enjoyed studying and getting to talk about music, and so be ready for next week. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But until then, and every week after that, we'll see ya. I, I did it backwards, but we'll see you next week and every week after that. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. Should we change the name for Christmas, Michael, yes or no? What could it be changed to? I think the Coastline Christmas Covenant podcast. That's what I was going to say, too. So and that's that's a I lot of words, man. Our mystery guest already chimed in. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I don't think we changed the name because we're already two weeks in now. No? Uh, you think we can change I don't, it? I, it's never too late to throw Christmas into something during okay. the Christmas season. So, so. We, we could take a poll. And I actually wanted to bring this up with you, Michael, because we last week, remember we talked about how early it was to celebrate Christmas? And I said, I'll have a poll. I'll, I'll put a poll up. And on Spotify with the podcast app we use, we can put a poll up. So I put up a poll on last week's episode. Yes, okay. I said, when is it too early to celebrate Christmas? Are you going to dunk on me right now? No, don't dunk on me. No, in fact, I think, brother, you'll dunk on me because <laughs> I was wrong. Yes, wrong. According yes. to the people, according <laughs> to the people. Now, I'll be honest, not a ton of people voted on the poll, which is fine. Maybe we need a round two. Wait, what's not a ton? Can we have a, a number I don't want to give a Can number. A, it's a little so embarrassing. It's, it's like three. It's three more people than, voted. It's more than three, and it's less than a million. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. By the way, uh, if you don't recognize the mystery voice, we have Nikki Hernandez making her second appearance on the podcast, but kind of the first like conversational one. Yep. Very excited to be here. No, you're not. <laughs> okay. I'm nervous. I am. I'm very nervous. The honesty. The honesty. I mean, then for those of you who don't know, Nikki, she's worked with all of us for so long. Nikki and I have a very, very special working relationship. W would you describe it as like mild torture or <laughs> significant? Uh, it depends on the day. It really depends on the day. <laughs> I would describe it as entertaining yeah. <laughs> for other people. I'm glad it is. I'm glad it is for other people. Yeah. yeah. For Nikki's yeah. therapist, it might not be super yeah. entertaining. But the poll, more than three, less than a million. That's about where I thought it would be. Okay. Just well, so you know. you're right. So, the, so four. It's four. It's more than four. <laughs> but we can't do this for very much longer. Because okay. <laughs> we'll hit the number soonish. Okay. Got it. Soonish. <laughs> yep. When is the right time to celebrate Christmas was the poll. I'll give you guys the percentages so you don't know how many people voted. 11% said November 1st was fine, which was my, that was my answer. 33% <laughs> said December 1st. Oh. But 56 Black Friday. Yeah, yeah. So you did dunk on everybody. And yeah. so is this week's- I'm in agreement with you on that. Thanks, yeah. Nikki. Thanks. Were you yeah. one of the- I did not vote. 123,000 so people who voted. <laughs> 
could have um, upped our percentages. So maybe this week's poll is changing the name, changing Coastline Christmas Covenant yeah. CCCP. Yeah, which wasn't that Russia? Uh, it's something. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. Should yeah. it be the Coast Miss? podcast oh okay i don't think oh. we need a poll anymore i think we just <laughs> think figured Michael it out it. <laughs> the poll is moot we are doing <laughs> coastmas pod the coastmas christmas podcast oh, yeah. oh, wow. just so oh, redundant wow. i love it okay well uh again last week i feel like michael you and i talked on sunday uh this past sunday people enjoyed the christmas deep dive and and today we have another deep dive in front of us Today, Michael went in my office and borrowed a book from me. So you know Michael has so mm-hmm. much good stuff to say. And Nikki and I are just going to let him talk. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, no, you, I want you guys to talk. We have, a, we have a special guest today. So come on. Yeah. And so, yeah, I want to talk to our special guest for a second. Nikki, uh, last week, Sean, Michael, and I kind of talked about our Christmas vibe, what we think about Christmas. So just yes or no, are you a Christmas person? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. I mean... Okay, there's a story. No, I, I'm just, I'm not like a crazy Christmas person, right? A like, CCP. Yeah, like, um, yes, I I have a tree. We have lights on the tree, but the ornaments aren't up yet, right? Okay, so that's so not it's like, like, it's not I'm a big not, priority. Yeah, it, it's just like as I can get to it, it mm-hmm. yeah. But I like, you know, Christmas season just kind of makes me happy. So. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, so yeah. you you buy in, you're, yeah. in, you're into it. Okay, I yeah. love it. Um, your life is different, obviously, than anybody who works here at Coastline. All of our lives are different, but I'm really interested. You grew up in Minnesota. Yes. Michael and I did not. So I'm really interested in your uh, Christmases then. What, yes. what is a white Christmas like for those of okay, us who don't so, know? And then follow up. Please do not interrupt me. I'm the host. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I immediately go back to that boy who's Googling oh for gosh. you. Uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, so what were your Christmases like then? And then now, what are your Christmases like in the current life stage you're in? Yeah. Okay. So growing up in the Midwest for Christmas is, it it's truly is like the fairy tale, especially my grandparents lived in rural, small town, farm town, Minnesota. And so every Christmas we would go there. Their town was so small that if you were there Christmas Eve, your family would traditionally take all your gifts and set them outside on the porch without you knowing And there was a guy in the town who would go house to house in a Santa costume and would grab the presents and walk into the house. And you thought Santa was bringing you your Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Instead, he was bringing you icicles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wow. But that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But Michael was right. I was going to say, like, I hope he didn't get a fish for Christmas because that thing is that thing's sushi now. That's true. That's true. Dude. It was, I mean, I really, really thought it was Santa for a while, right? I of really course, did. Of course you yeah. did. That's awesome. Do you yeah. do that for Alicia now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we have a neighbor down the street. No. <laughs> it's it's Garrick. <laughs> yeah. It's Garrick. And, you know, she's 20 years old and still thinks Santa is bringing her presents. Hope she doesn't listen to no. this. She won't. Okay. So Christmas in Minnesota, White Christmas. That is That is one of the most unique things I think I've ever heard. That you had a guy yeah, it, who would pretend, literally pretend to be Santa. But that's the beauty of small towns, right? Is you can do something like that. Everybody loved it. He, The whole town participated. It was just like you knew kind of what time he was going to be on your street. And I, I just, as a kid growing up in that, and I, this, again, this was my grandparents' house. I was visiting it, but it was, I, I mean, it just was like a dream. It was great. So. I, I love it. 
I really think that they should try to do that in Torrance. Like get 11, 11 or 12 people, like yeah. deploy them out one night on Christmas Eve and do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you can take that up with the city of Torrance and see if we can <laughs> get that going. What are your Christmases like now? Okay. Um, I mean, you're right. They're very different when you are a single parent that it just looks a little different, right? So for me, um, Christmases are kind of, we do go back to Minnesota when we can, but it is, I, we don't have a ton of tradition mm. because, um, Alicia was always trading off homes every year. Mm -hmm. So I never knew what year I was going to have her for Christmas or not. Right. So tradition doesn't feel quite the same, but I will say one of my favorite brand new traditions that I started this year. And I, I, this is like a, a PSA for anybody out there who has a hard time getting a Christmas tree. Cause that was always the bane of my existence. It was just me and Alicia and she's a little kid and we're trying to get this Christmas tree. And it's been, I can't even tell you the number of times the Christmas tree has landed on the floor over the years. So With like, ornaments and stuff? Uh, no, no. I just like, I couldn't even get it up in the first place, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So friends, there is a new Christmas tree stand. It is called the Easy, E-A-Z-Y, oh Treezy, T-R-E-E-Z-Y. You, you have to look it up. I'm not kidding you. All I did was drop the tree in the stand. Really? Literally dropped it in anything? the stand. No cranks. <gasps> no. I. It is. And my tree is not only still standing, but it's still standing perfectly straight. It was my gift to myself this year. I'm always going to get a tree. There have been years where I've chosen not to get a tree because it's so much work and so hard. And this year I got this new stand and I couldn't be happier with it. So. Nikki, I feel like you are like a testimonial on like one of those infomercials. I, they should pay me right now because I'm so excited about it. Oh my <laughs> Use offer code Coastmiss for 25% <laughs> yes. off your first order at Easy Treasy. Easy yeah. Treasy, as seen yeah. on TV. Yeah. As seen on it Nikki really, Hernandez's like, it, Instagram feed. It has feed. been the greatest gift this year. So The greatest gift. Yeah, yeah. There's that's, nothing that's anybody can get me this year that'll be better than my Easy Treasy. <laughs> Honestly, if you're listening to this and you had something for Nikki, take it back. She doesn't want it. She's want not it. interested. I got all I want. Yeah. yeah. Michael, yeah. can you think of a life-changing product in your life that you'd like to sponsor for the show? Ask or maybe <laughs> maybe get people. I mean, I would have talked about the Snuggie, but you know, the Easy Treasy has really one upped yeah. at this yeah. point. So, do you have any use for an Easy Treasy in your life? Yeah, I mean, if it's <laughs> See, if it's all you say, it is right. Like it is. I, I I'll let you. If my tree is still standing in thirty days or whatever by the end of the month, well, it, we'll have to get you back on the pod to yeah, talk about like, it. <laughs> so. It's amazing, guys. It's been a life changer. Well, that's rad. Yeah. I, I'm so happy about your tree, and I'm so happy that you are um, feeling this year like you can finally celebrate Christmas because your tree is upright. Because I have a tree, yeah, and, and it's, it's standing up. It's so it's Hopefully good. we get those ornaments on soon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so earlier, before we started recording. I was, yes, I was okay, just going to ask. We were talking about kind of gifts. Okay, so the, just a little bit more banter. I, I want to ask you guys. So we were talking about, you know, how your parents give you these gifts. Sometimes they give you gifts that you're not really asking for mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes a lot of things that yes. maybe made their way from the 99 cent store into your, mm -hmm. <laughs> into your mm -hmm. stocking. Right. Um, now here's my question. Are you guys the kind of family where when you get a gift, it's like, that's your gift. You, you don't take it back. You don't re gift it. You, you are thankful for it and that's the way it is. Or are your families the kind of families where it's like, no, if you don't like it, you take it back, you sell it, you, you know, get a new gift card, whatever you give it back to your parents. They'll figure it out. Like what kind of family are you? I, okay. So 
my brother notoriously always takes the gift back. So it's gotten to the point where I almost don't get him anything worthwhile. Like I just grab something in a store because I, it doesn't matter what I get him. It's going to go back. Right. So it, it just, and once he kind of started that, he, you know, he ripped the bandaid off. So now we all have permission to take things back. <laughs> so yeah, that's funny. Um, do you get him like expensive things then so he can get more money back or you don't really even care? Yeah, I don't, I don't really That's care smart. that much. That's yeah, smart. It's just like I grab You're going to take it back anyway. Yeah. Um, Megan takes a lot of stuff back. She's, she's a really good receiver. She's very kind. And I think that like she's a, she would call herself a hoarder. Um, <laughs> like we'll go on vacation and she has like this little yellow pouch full of gift cards, like just full of gift cards. And she'll say, do you think I need my gift cards? Like, should I bring my gift cards? The answer is always yes. Always yes. So, so I, I bought her some Christmas presents and and a couple nights ago we were talking and I said, Oh, I'm so excited for you to take back all the gifts I got you. And she said, I, me too. Thank you. So, (laughs) so she'll either hoard it for years or get rid of it immediately and get something else she wants. Me, I am, I really don't like surprises. I really don't like to not know what's coming around the bend. If you know me, this tracks exceptionally all with my personality. So I, Nikki's like, yes. So I, I generally ask for specific things. And if I don't get them, yeah, I have no shame taking them back. I remember one year, this is a little object lesson. My parents thought I really wanted to play piano. And I think deep in my heart, I did. I was like 18, seven, I was 17. And I, I was kind of getting really serious about music. And so they got me an electric piano and it was super nice. And like, I just walked in to the room it was set up and they're like, Merry Christmas, we got you lessons. And I was like, I don't want it. I want to play guitar. And so then I, I went to Sam Ash. I put it in the car. The next couple of days I, I went to Sam Ash, took it back and bought the tailor that's sitting right behind me. Wow. Upgrade. And that tailor, I mean, I've used it for worship for now 11 years, almost 12 years now. I mean, it's been with me to Mexico. Yes. It's been with me to all the camps I've gone to. That I mean, that thing's been well loved. So in that sense, I kind of had a vision and I was like, I think I, I can't take a piano on a bus but I could take a guitar. So, but if you ask me again, what my biggest regret in life is, it would be that I didn't take piano lessons when I was 17. Mm. Whoa. So there you go. What about you, Michael? See, I come from the family where it's a little different, where it's kind of like, Hey, if the shirt doesn't fit, well, wear it anyway. <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah. absurd. Yeah. That's truly absurd. I mean, I do think like, as I've gotten a little bit older, like we've gotten to the place where I can be like, all right, mom, like it, it really doesn't fit. Like, can we take mm-hmm. it back and she'll figure it out for me. And you know, a couple weeks later I get something that fits, but like, I don't know. It's, it's very much like, and I came, I'm, I'm actually from a, um, you know, my family was split. So I had my dad's home and my, and my mom's home. So I had two homes and they were both like that. Oh wow. And they were both kind of just wow. like, Hey, we got you something that we thought about it. It's a mm-hmm. gift from the heart. It's the, you know, the thought that counts. That's brutal. And like, wow. you know, keep what you get. And I even have a little <laughs> bit of that. Like, I think being raised in that, even I have a little bit of that. Like, well, in like me. Lennon's not going to take anything back. <laughs> right. No, no. But like literally if the shirt is too small, what, do you, what are you going to do? Know? Like, 
Is it I like know. change your body type? <laughs> if, no, if, no if, I mean, if it's too large, it becomes like a night shirt, right? Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's yeah, a sleep yeah. shirt. If it's yeah, yeah. too small, it's like, well, maybe a workout shirt. <laughs> it's my muscle shirt. And you're like, thanks. Now you're making me feel bad in a lot yeah. of ways. Because yeah. not only can I not take this back, I'll never be able to fill yeah. this shirt out. Yeah. Or it could become like a wash rag, you know? <laughs> oh and then it's God. like, why Why do you want me to have another wash rag? Why don't you just let me go to Macy's or Kohl's or whatever and get, the, get the money back? Or just buy a wash rag. Just buy me. They're, yeah. they're so cheap. Yeah. They're so cheap. They practically give them away. Well, speaking of giving away, Nikki, uh, we've been doing the deep dive on the podcast, We're talking about Christmas songs, Christmas hymns, but I want to ask you, what's your favorite? This is a three-part question. Okay. Favorite pop Christmas song, which is like your Mariah Carey, your Ariana Grande. I can't speak. Um, so that, that's pop Christmas. Then there's like traditional Christmas, Nat King Cole, um, Frank Sinatra, and then Christmas hymn. So what are your favorite in all those categories? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on whether it's Paul McCartney or the Beatles, but I do like wonderful their, Christmas time. Yeah. That's Paul I McCartney. Love that song. Oh yeah. That's Paul that, McCartney. Um, I just, every time that comes on the radio, I'm, I'm, I'm singing along traditional, probably white Christmas. Ooh, I mean, I just think good, like good. that movie was a staple growing up and, um, and then for the hymn, it, this is the one that we're talking about today is <gasps> Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel. What a so, great segue. <laughs> look at that. That's yeah, you awesome. Just, that's great. So good. I Head asked right students it. last night the same question when I was leading uh, some junior high guys at youth group on Tuesday. And Tobin Butler, shout out Tobin Butler, um, was like, my pop and traditional is the same one. And I was like, okay. And he said, Last Christmas by Wham. And I think that he's wow. right. I think that last Christmas exists in the dual space. Of, oh, interesting. It's now a traditional Christmas song. Yes. It's iconic. Yes. I think it's yep. probably, I might be crazy, it's probably the second biggest pop Christmas it song. It might be. It's huge. It's right up it's there. It's huge. Yeah. But it's also a classic. Like, it's it's yeah. definitely in the classic uh, category as well. So I thought, I was like, Tobin Butler, that's a really good, good answer. answer. Yeah. I honestly expected you to say Last Christmas, though. I know you're a big 80s fan. I am. And that, I mean, yeah, that would be up there for sure. Yeah. Nice. But I'm also a Beatles fan, so. that Before anything else, yeah. Nikki's a Beatles fan. Yeah. She wears Beatles shirts every day. All the time. She, her hair is actually, her natural <laughs> hair color is black, and it's like a bob, like in the, oh in the help oh era. Oh, Imagine. No, I can't. Uh, Nikki, you said your favorite hymn is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Why is that? I mean, first and foremost, I like the mood of the song. Mm -hmm. You know, just the, it, I think it really resonates with the yearning for something better. And it resonates um, with, I don't know, just the, I think the, the difficulties and pain that we experience being here on earth. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, the mood of it, really strikes me. Um, I also really, really resonate just with this idea of like, please come Jesus, mm -hmm. please come, you know, and it mm. kind of over and over is asking the Messiah to come, um, and using different language for it. But, um, I, I traditionally, you guys talked about this last week a little bit, but I, I traditionally like Christmas more than Easter. To me, Christmas is more profound than Easter. And I know that, mm. That's not always a popular opinion, but I just think that the sacrifice that happened on the cross starts with Christmas, right? Oh, absolutely. So um, to me, there's just something really profound about the idea 
that you have a God that took on limitations. Mm. Yeah. And I, and so I often think about that, right? Like I think about, um, this is such a dumb analogy, but like, I think about, okay, if I had a, a, a brood of dogs that I loved so much and I, it required me opting to become a dog to care for them and love them. And now I'm giving up opposable thumbs and I'm like <laughs> stuck in a dog body and I can't talk. I can only communicate through barking. And like he took on actual limitations so that he could be with us. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is the, the sacrifice that I see is that not only that, you know, just the, the like kind of, I don't know, gross parts of humanity that he took on, just like having to be a, a baby and all of that, but just the like challenges of humanity also. And so that I, that's part of why I love this song mm-hmm. is it's constantly yearning for Christ and reminding you of what he did, I think in the process. Mm-hmm. So that was a really long answer. It was great. That was good. Yeah, that's really good. Actually, when you were talking, I was just from it was actually hitting me that not only did he take on limitations to um to kind of remedy our desperation, but he took on our limitations. Mm. He took on the specific limitations that we were under mm-hmm. um, that were causing our desperation. And so what's interesting about that is that this word Emmanuel, it actually means God with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not just the idea that God limited himself generally. It's the idea that he limited himself to our degree in order to be the propitiation of sin. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able yeah. to actually atone for our sin specifically, he put himself in the form of a human. Yeah. Like he, he went to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really profound. That's really, really profound. Uh, Michael, as a worship leader, uh, musician, what's your relationship like with this song? Um, yeah, this is another song that I, I really love. I really love that it exists. I love, (laughs) I love that it's, that it's within our canon of songs we sing Mm -hmm. throughout the year. Um, and that it kind of will always come back around. Um, I love that it always comes and it usually comes back around like the first weekend of Advent. Like it's kind of that first weekend of Advent song. Kind of kicks it off. Kicks it all off. Um, and yeah, there's, I just love it. I really do. I think, um, there aren't a lot of songs in modern Christian, you know, worship that are set in a minor key. Yeah. And this one is, yeah. um, which brings a whole new, um, emotion and, and kind of, um, yeah, just what you were saying earlier, Nikki, that kind of, it, it helps you feel something, um, that the Israelites were feeling, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it also helps put you in kind of this desperate place for the Messiah to come again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. um, yeah, that minor key for those of you who aren't musical, um, you know, minor songs are songs that sound sad. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound of the song is sad, whereas a major song would sound happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I love that the song is set in a minor because not, we really don't have many of those. I mean, there are some, but it's really rare to find those in modern worship. Yeah. Well, enough of us gabbing about it. Let's listen to it. Um, The version we're going to play is a very long version. So we'll probably only put about half on the podcast, but it's worth you guys going back and listening. We're going to listen to a band called Future Forestry's version 
of this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, and again, we have some facts and things that we can bring up, but I want to listen and then I want us to respond. And so if you're listening to the podcast, this is the time. Set, set the mood, get ready. This is, a, this is a deeply rich song with a lot in there. And so a lot to process, a lot to reflect on, a lot to ponder. So here is Future of Forestry's version of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
interesting version of the song. Nikki, mm. you are, I hate to say it, the non-musician in this trio. Yes, I What am. did you think <laughs> of that song, just sonically? Oh, I thought it was great. Oh, great. Yeah, Good. I did. Good. I loved it. I mean, the the intro is a little long. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, like, it's You're like, powerful. I don't need to be a musician to know that yeah. was a long intro. Yeah, it's... 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. It's powerful. Yeah, that's a really creative, unique version. And it's it's interesting, you know, with these these songs that have existed for centuries, people take some really interesting creative licenses. Sometimes it's really rad. Sometimes it's not. And you know what? If it's if it's not for you, I'm sure there's a version out there that's for you. But I think for Michael and I, this one's for us. We we like this one. <laughs> I like I like that that this one, it feels like it stayed pretty true to the original, just mm-hmm. with a new like a new style. Yeah. But it's like the the way you sing it, like it's not changing the melody or anything. No. It's you know, just in a, set in the kind of a more rock, indie rock setting. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's still very true to what it would be. Indie rock baby. That's what we should have called this podcast. <laughs> indie, Hunter and Michael talk about indie rock. Yeah. Um, so what are just some reflections? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit already, but after hearing it and, and kind of sitting with the words and, and the melody and the mood of the song, well, what are some of our reflections? Um, I, my reflections, well, I, I just think that the song is, it's, I love how it moves. It just, it moves from this place of, of, uh, kind of desperation to this place of hope. Mm -hmm. And, and when I say hope, it's not necessarily a resolved hope. It's, it's Hmm. not a resolved hope, but it is still hope. Um, and, um, yeah, I just, I love how the song, it, it really places you again in that, with that minor those minor chords, it places you in this place of desperation and longing, um, which helps us to just relate with a lot of the history before mm-hmm. us. So, Let me ask you guys a question about the minor key thing, because this is something that I do want to um, talk about for a second. So so if you look in scripture, and we said Emmanuel means God God with us literally, it's it's a, it, a Hebrew concept. It comes up like in 1 Kings, there's like a battle, and it's like, well, our God will be with us, and it's kind of like Emmanuel. So it's like this phrase of confidence more than anything, like this, this, this comforting confidence that comes with knowing that God is with you in the midst of battle, in the midst of anything. In, in the case of, you know, Jesus's birth, it's sin and humanity. But that's like a really comforting, confident, almost triumphant thought. You, you, if you were to ascribe that to a key, I think you would ascribe that to the major key. Right. Like it is a major key in my life that God is with me. And, you know, so why do you think this song with the essence of God being with you? And that's a triumphant thing. Why do you think this song is in the minor key? What's what's the minor key reason for that? Because it's not resolved yet. Mm. You know how like in, in music, you kind of you're you're finishing a song and you do that. I don't know the the technical language behind it, but it's a duh, duh, you know, like you 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 kind of do the like. Yeah, you resolve into major. Yes. And and I think that the song is in minor because it's saying we want him to come, mm. but he's not here yet. And so you have songs like Joy to the World that are in a major key because it's resolved, like right? A but this major song is, key. Yeah, yeah but right. this song is sitting mm. 
um, wrestling with the unresolve of like, we're desperate for you. We want you to come. We rejoice because we trust that you shall come, but he, he hasn't come yet. That's where it's sitting. Right. I think, I think that was great. What we have to remember in what you were saying, Nikki, is like in the chorus, it's rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, God with us shall come to thee, O Israel. It's this, he will come. It's not rejoice because he will come, not because he's already come. Um, Now, I think for the, for the, uh, the ancient Israel, they were singing this as a, he's going to come for the first time. I think for all of us, we are singing this as a, you will come again and save us from the tyranny of this place. It's so interesting how, I mean, it's only the second conversation, Michael, that you and I have had about Christmas hymns and, you know, the second episode, but like, it is interesting how much like this idea of a second Christmas comes up in these worship songs. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that is like, because the writers of these songs like we're, we're thinking that like why, why do you think that they focus are you, i guess my question is do we think that they were looking back more than they were looking forward in these christmas songs and that's kind of like our call as well or do you think like i don't know i i, I don't know what i'm trying to say but i just think it's fascinating that's come up two times you know what i mean yeah i mean i think it is like you said nikki kind of the thing that makes you so excited about christmas is that it is the start of easter it's the beginning of Easter and it's, and it's the beginning of our second Christmas, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the start of that. And, and so I think, um, I actually had a mentor tell me once that there is no Easter without Christmas. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I just think, you know, I think that the writers are, are looking back because there, it, it is the most logical place to start. Yes. And it's the most, it's actually, I think the, the um, best way that we can emotionally connect. Hmm. I think history is, it's hard for us to connect with history. That's why we keep repeating it over and over and over again, Hmm. right? This is why we teach it in schools because we don't want to keep repeating it over and over and over again, right? Um, And so the, I think what this song is doing is it's a history lesson. It's a history lesson for us as, as the church to place ourselves in the place of, of history so that we can feel what, what that desperation was like. So that we can actually truly, to the fullest extent, rejoice in the fact that he's come and rejoice in the fact that he's coming. Yeah. I, I, um, there's a, I'm going to sound so Christian saying this, but there's, there's a, um, there's <laughs> a switch your, foot song. On your church podcast, you're going to sound so Christian. I, 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 I think know. that's okay. But I'm, there's a switch foot song where the lyric says, the shadow proves the sunshine. And I think mm. what, what that's saying is it's saying that, if the if if every day it was just sunshines, there was no shadow. It was just all sunshine all the time. There was no night, no darkness. It was all just bright and cheery. If that's what it was like all the time, then the cheeriness at some point loses its cheeriness. At a certain point, you can't even define the the the, the sunshine, the joy, the light, because it's just all that. But this, but because we have the context, we've seen and known and experienced the shadow, um, and the darkness, the, the difficulty the sunshine is that much brighter, mm-hmm. that much more wonderful. So the majors are more major when you sit in the minor mm-hmm. is kind of what we're saying. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think too, what's beautiful about it is because you're experiencing it kind of as the Israelites would have said it. And yet we all know that we feel that disconnect today. Right. And so it it's, 
now I can trust that because they were sitting in that dark place, begging him to come, and he did come, as we sit in that place today and struggle, mm. we can trust because we have something to look back on. That's where that hope that Michael was talking about comes in, to me at least, is I, I know that he's done this before, so I trust that he's going to come again, mm. right? Yeah, and in that case, you have to look back because yeah. you can't look forward with any sense of hope without looking back and seeing what he's already done. Mm -hmm. Really, get really fascinating. How can you actually proclaim that God is faithful if you don't look back? You yeah. can't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that song, Do It Again, that, you know, you sang it on Sunday, like, I'll see you do it again. And mm -hmm. I think that contemporary Christianity, I think we, we love these phrases of like, I'm, I have my own Red Sea that I need to part or I have my own mountain I need to move. And mm. the reason we say these things is because these events in scripture, these things in scripture become these like archetypal things. Like we really do believe that God can move mountains and we really do have mountains in our life. And, and the only reason we believe that is because we, we, we know that he's done that based on his word and based on tradition. Yeah. I don't like this song. I just don't. I, I was telling this to Nikki <laughs> earlier today. I in like, if you were to give me my top five Christmas hymns, I don't think this would be in the top five. Um, and, and I would only top 10. I mean, how low are there is more it than the 10 list, like popular right? Christmas hymns? I don't know. I, I, I guess it is the minor thing for me, the unresolved. I, I, mm -hmm. I think that gives me a lot of anxiety. I think that makes me feel like what's the point of this song if we're not going to resolve, if it's not going to be major, if there is tension, if there is the gray and, and again, that's very much who I am. And so hearing us talk about it and hearing you guys talk about it is really challenging me mm. and challenged me in this season to think of the tension of Christmas you know, and, and, and so I, I'm just really excited <laughs> to have my mind changed live on air. Like, oh no, maybe I do like this song now. <laughs> maybe hearing about it a little bit more, um, makes me, makes me like it. But we were talking a little bit about the history of it and the history of it's nuts. It, it, it is. is like a densely nerdy song. I think that's the best way to say it. Like it is a bunch of nerds wrote this song <laughs> throughout history. Ancient nerds. Ancient nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be another great podcast name. Ancient nerds. Be a um, good band name. Oh yeah, dude. And you just do like history themed indie rock songs. <laughs> so um it was written early, eighth, ninth century, and and Michael and I were kind of talking about this. It, it in church history there's these things called how do you how do you pronounce it? Antiphons? Yeah, antiphons. Antiphons. And from what I understand, it's just kind of like prototypical worship. Meaning like this is what worship's kind of based on. The, this idea of antiphons, what was like a, a short you know, paragraph length chant ritual that the entire congregation would do. And it was kind of tied to a liturgical calendar. And so for Advent, the antiphons were based on the Magnificat, which is Mary's song. She sings uh, when, when, you know, before Jesus is born. And you would begin this on, you know, a couple days, not Sundays, but a couple days before Christmas. And there, there were these um, antiphons kind of centered around different names, different characteristics of Christ. And um, there was wisdom, Lord, I'm not going to say them in Latin because I know Andrew Ferris listens to this podcast and he would critique my Latin. Uh, but there's O Wisdom, O Lord, O Root of Jesse, O Key of David, O Dayspring, O King of Nations, O Emmanuel. And, and these are lyrics in the song that we know today. But what's really cool and what Michael and I have been really excited about in talking about this is if you flip that backwards, if you go from, you know, the, the 23rd, so if it's, you know, six days before, seven days before Christmas, you start on the 16th, you get to the 23rd, you go backwards, it spells out a word. It's a reverse acrostic poem. And it spells out uh, in Latin, what I'm told is it says arrow cross, E-R-O-C-R-A-S, arrow cross, I don't know how to say it. 
But in Latin, that translates to English, I shall be with you tomorrow. So the nerdiness of this song <laughs> is that the people who wrote it arranged liturgy that the church was very familiar with in a way that when you read it backwards, it proclaims the forward reality of Christ coming back. I mean, literally what we've been talking mm-hmm. about, looking back to look forward, like it's mm-hmm. actually built within the so song. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. It's, it is really, here's, yeah, there's a, here's a deep dive. That so, was a deep, I mean, if you can go deeper, I'm excited. So this song is, it's attached to the Magnificat. Right. Which is what Mary sings. It's actually the first Marian hymn, um, which she sings uh, when uh, it is proclaimed to her that she's going to have a child. Okay. By the angel. The angel tells her, you're going to have a child. She sings this song. And what she uh, what she sings is, um, come magnify the Lord. Come magnify the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, What's interesting is that that is actually a mirroring when the Magnificat is a mirroring of first Samuel two, one through 10, which is Hannah's prayer, um, where, where she sings, my heart exalts in the Lord. Now the song, O come Emmanuel has that rejoice, rejoice refrain, right? So you've got this, this kind of rejoicing, come magnify, come exalt, right? You've got this, this theme of this come exalt the Lord. That's happening in all three of these spaces. Um, and these antiphons that that um, Hunter was talking about are attached to mm-hmm. the proclaiming during, during the Christmas season of the Magnificat. So you've got just this, this wonderful theme that's happening here that where they're all tied together of rejoice mm. and, and, and celebrate the Lord because he's actually come. That's beautiful. Michael, how as a... Um as a worship leader, you know, you play a song like this. What do you want the congregation to to not feel, but how do you want your congregation to respond when, when you play a song like this? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to answer this question by talking about, um, okay, so there's a guy, there's a guy named Walter Brueggemann. Okay. Walter Brueggemann is a, is a professor and he writes a lot about the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Now we all know what the Psalms are. There, it's a you know a, a huge book of comp- compiled song, uh, songs that were written by mainly David, but other writers as well that we have in Scripture. Now, what what Brueggemann says is that there are three types of Psalms which you see in Scripture. One is our Psalms of orientation. The next one is Psalms of disorientation, and the third one are Psalms of re or new orientation. Okay, so what Brueggemann actually kind of is a proponent for is the idea that we as a church should not only sing songs of orientation. Songs of orientation are songs that say, the Lord is good always, he's always been good, he'll always be faithful, he's good to me, he is, is amazing and wonderful. And it's just kind of centered around the, the character of God's goodness. Those, those are psalms or songs of orientation. Okay, then you have songs of disorientation, which we rarely have in the church today. We don't have psalms of disorientation. We don't really sing songs that that are disorienting. And what I mean by that is songs of psalms of disorientation, the way uh, Brueggemann puts it, are songs that do not resolve. They're songs where hmm. where there is no resolution. It's psalms that you see where where the the psalmist just stays in this place of Lord, I'm crying out for you. I am desperate for you. And there is no resolve. Mm-hmm. It's just, I need you. That's simply it. 
Um, and then the last one would be Psalms of reorientation, where actually what those Psalms come from is a place of you have pulled me out of the pit of despair. You have, I, I, I my eyes have, ta- my, my eyes have seen and my, my ears have heard. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so it's kind of the, I've been in disorientation and now I'm in this new orientation, this new season. Um, not looking backwards, but looking forward at what God is going to do now that he's done something amazing. So I think what Brueggemann wants is, is to see the church actually live into all three of those spaces within our kind of the repertoire of songs that we sing to God, that these kind of prayers would come out of us, not just prayers of God, you're always good all the time, but also prayers of God, I'm simply desperate for you and I'm here in the midst of the suffering. There's no resolve and songs of thank you, Lord, you have resolved my, my desperate you know, need. Hmm. And what I would say and this, so this, that was a roundabout way of saying what I would love to see our people do is use this song as a psalm of disorientation. It's a psalm where, where it, there is not a resolution yet. And we feel that. I mean, we, um, we are still waiting for Christ to come again. And we're still in that place of waiting. We are st- there, there has not been the final resolution yet. Now, we've had some resolution because Christ has come the first time. So what I would say is that this song, it actually sits right within. For us, it's a psalm of, of uh, reorientation. For the, for the Israelites, it's a psalm of disorientation. Um, uh, but it's also... It can also be sung as a psalm of disorientation for us. That was probably really confusing. No, it was great. But I just, I think what it, what it is, is it sits within a space in the church that is desperately needed. We don't have a lot of songs of just letting people be in a place of sadness, in a place of longing, in a place of need, mm-hmm. and just sitting there and being in that place and, and expressing to the Lord from that place. Often we we have to move to this really happy place. So that would be what I would hope for our people. Yeah, and you know, we're, We've gone really long. I didn't realize how long we we're going to go on this. I, I love it. But Nikki, you know, I've done ministry with you for a long time. And Michael was basically describing, I think, a lot of the ways that you think that ministry should be, letting people sit, be honest, be open. So yeah. from your perspective, you know, as a leader in the church, wh- what do you want people to take as like an invitation from this song? Yeah, I mean, I think one, let it be some form of an encouragement. Mm because there it you are it's okay to experience the desperation and we know that their desperation was lifted when Christ came so if you can hang on to that and know and trust he will come again that's an encouragement today but i also i i fullheartedly agree with michael that i think that we have this erroneous belief that you always have to have this like smile on your face happiness right that like I, I don't know that we, we read certain scriptures that, you know, say to always be filled with joy and, and you think that that has to look a certain way and that you're not allowed to have honesty in your relationship with God. And I think he loves to call us to honesty. And I think the Psalms have given us a great picture of mm-hmm. what that looks like. And so we have permission to sit in the places like this song sits and, and to just let God heal us in those places mm. and to be with us and to care for us in those times. Yeah. And if you think of like the gospel, you know, the gospel only works if we're honest about what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And so like this song proclaiming the birth of Christ is not only an invitation to be vulnerable before God, but it's also the reason we can be vulnerable before God. This song is deeper than I thought. I'll give you guys credit. 
I'll give you guys credit. You guys pulled one over on me. It's a little, it's a little more tricky than I thought. Um, any concluding questions, comments, thoughts, concerns regarding O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? I think one other thing mm-hmm. just I, w- I would want people to notice. When you sing the chorus, you, you've been in the, the minor key that whole way, and then the chorus comes. It actually goes to the relative major. Okay, it goes to the it goes to the to the to the major uh, chord on the on the the tonic. Okay, so it hits that one. It's actually, for us it would be a D chord, and it brightens up. Rejoice, right? And it brightens up, and then what does it do? Boom! Right back into the minor. Rejoice, back into a minor place. And I think what's really cool about this song is that it's it actually it peaks its head up for a moment, right? It like. Mm. There's this rejoicing where where you peek your head up above the clouds for just a moment to see how good God is, but then the honesty of your situation mm-hmm. pulls you right back down into mm-hmm. that minor place. Mm-hmm. And I think that that what that that picture you see of this emotional kind of peeking up into joy, but then also let it, allowing yourself that space of to feel the the reality of pain, that is our lived experience, right? As Christians, you feel this sense of of I see the Lord, he's so good. And man, you feel this kind of elation, this consolation that the God that God gives you, that the Lord gives you. But then the reality of life pulls us right back into that desolation. And I think that this song, it's it's mimicking that thing that we all experience. We all feel that as Christians. This mm-hmm. what we want is to feel just consolation all the time. What we long for is eternity in heaven. But this song is actually allowing us to be human. It's, a, it's giving us that that mm-hmm. ability to experience what it's like to be human. Beautiful. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, guys. Long one. But I think this was, I mean, for me, just that got to listen to some brilliant people talk about something good. Thank you guys for this. Merry Christmas. Nikki, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks think, for having me. Do you it think was it fun. Went, do you think it went well? Yeah, good, I think it good. went better than I thought it was. So. <laughs> it went really well. <laughs> it was good. It was great. Uh, Michael, next week we are discussing the Song of Songs, not not that song of songs. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been talking about, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. With the song of songs, the, the, what we would probably say is like the, the, the slam dunk of not only Christmas hymns, but worship songs in yeah. general, hark the herald angels sing. So if that is a song you like, and it's a song you want to hear more about, join us next week and every week after that, but you too, thanks so much for jumping on and, and Hey coastline. Very, very, very Christmas. Mm-hmm.